Joshua, the Old Testament book of Joshua. We're in the 16th chapter. Joshua chapter 16. And if you are second grade on down, we'll let you be dismissed for children's Bible time with Mr. Frank. Second grade on down for children's Bible time. Astrid, just want to make sure this is working. Yes. Can you hear me? Can you hear Zenaida? Zenaida, are you talking? You cannot. Well, I'm glad you can hear. Who can hear? Is that not working? No? Keep talking, Zenaida. Keep telling them how wonderful you are and what a beautiful day it is. Give me a thumbs up just as soon as you can hear. Still no? Good, she can. She can hear. Now she can hear. Corey was bringing you another one. Uh, if, you, if you have a device and it's not working, feel free to raise your hand at, at any point during the service and we'll bring, we'll bring a replacement to you. Okay, we're in Joshua chapter 16. Joshua chapter 16. <clears throat> Uh, verse 1, And the lot of the children of Joseph fell by Jordan, by Jericho, unto the water of Jericho on the east of the wilderness that goes up from Jericho through Mount Bethel. It goes out from Bethel. Again, these are, we encouraged you last week, if you've never, if you have never followed the points on a survey, and your family, your children want to know what's going on in these chapters, uh, call Brother Ray, he'll send you the points for church here. Uh, you can take your metal detector and you can follow the measurements and go find points here on the church property. Uh, no, nobody's going to mess with you. And if they do, you say, hey, there's somebody uh, metal detecting on the property. Is that okay? That, that's okay. They're look, looking for the corner points. These are the points of the survey that God gave the children of Israel. And I used these points this week to measure out the land. We'll share you some of those figures in just a moment. Verse 3, go down westward to the coast of Japheli, to the coast of Beth Haran, the nether, to Gezer, uh, to, and the goings out there, for, there at the sea. So the children of Joseph, Manasseh, Ephraim, took their inheritance. And then, verse 5, we have another paragraph. We have the border of the, border of the children of Ephraim, according to their families, was thus, even the border of the inheritance on the east side, Adaroth Adah, and Beth Haran in the upper, and the border went out towards the sea in Nikmithah on the north side, and the border went out eastward unto Tanatha Shalom, and passed by it on the east, Jahnoha. And it came down from Jahana to Adaroth and to Nadaroth, uh, to came to Jericho and went out to Jordan. Uh, the border went out to Tapana westward unto the, unto the river Kana, until the goings thereof were at the sea. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Ephraim by their families. You might say, I'm pretty sure that doesn't mean anything to me. It would mean something to you if that was your land. It would mean something to you uh, very much so. Uh, I've shared this before. I'll share it again. Uh, my dad owned, owned some property, and the neighbor wanted to take down the fence. Because the fence kept getting caught in his farm equipment. And dad said, stay away from the fence. 
He said, well, if he took the fence down, then it wouldn't get caught in my equipment. And Dad said, if you kept your equipment away from the fence, the fence wouldn't get caught in your equipment. He said, well, why, why don't we just take the fence down? He said, because the fence is a marker. And that, that probably doesn't mean anything to you, but the courts in Michigan have ruled that if a fence is in place for so many years, that, that's, that's the boundary. Now, that's the boundary. So to remove that fence is to remove the boundary. And then the property lines come into play. And is that important to Dad? You know, probably not as important to Dad as it is to me uh, because I'm an heir. And uh, uh, Dad, Dad's an ID uh, in his mid-90s, heading, heading off to his eternal reward. Uh, but that, that property is going to convey to our family uh, when, when he passes away. And that's, that's huge. Uh, that's huge. And so he is fighting uh, for uh, the future, fighting for his heirs. Is that important? Uh, we're going to show you that in the passage this evening. Uh, verse uh, verse 9, And the separate cities from the children of Ephraim are among the inheritance of the children of Manasseh, all the cities with their villages. So what happens, Pastor, if I don't claim my inheritance? What happens if I don't mark the boundaries? What happens if I just let it slide? Well, that's, that's a good question, and we're going to answer that question this evening. The answer is that they didn't. They didn't. Look at verse 10. And they drave not out the Canaanites that dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites unto this day and serve under tribute. Now, the title of the message this evening is this, A Failure to complete the transaction. What happens in your life when you fail to complete the transaction? I put in here that they were, uh, subtitle, that they were distracted by opportunity. And what was that opportunity? It's the last word, tribute. We could drive these people out or we could make money on them. And they said, you know what? We're going to let them stay here and we're going to make money on them. And they thought that was okay. What, what are the repercussions of the decision that they and others of the tribe made by allowing their inheritance to be marred? Allowing the lines of demarcation, the points that God had given them, allow, not conquering what God had given them. What, what are the repercussions of that? We're going to put it in dollars and cents tonight. And so you can realize that. Hope it will be a blessing to you. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that uh, this would not just be an academic exercise, but we would be startled by what it costs, what it will cost those that follow us generations from tonight. For us tonight to decide that we are not going to complete the transaction. And that tonight we would decide that we're going to take care of business, whatever that would be. Whether it's the flesh or fleshly appetite or a sin that does so easily beset us. May tonight we be challenged that we're going to claim the inheritance, that we're going to mark the Bible boundaries and that we are going to pass on to the next generation not just a belief that there is a God, and not just salvation, 
but we're going to pass on to them salvation and an understanding and appreciation that they must maintain those boundaries, those distinctions in their life as well in order for their inheritance to be passed to the next generation. And that's precious, and it is tragic when it is lost. May we realize the importance of it this evening. We'll pray and praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You have done your research. Uh, you've gone to the web and you have, uh, you've looked and you've compared and you've got uh, three different items and you've looked at reviews and you have, uh, you have looked at the schematics and you have, you have searched out the companies to see uh, which are the best company. Uh, and you, you have, uh, you have, you have finally decide that you're, you're gonna, you're gonna do it. And so you, uh, you put that item in your shopping cart. Maybe you're at Walmart or at Home Depot or you're out at the garden center and you've been comparing trees and you say, this is the tree I'm going to take. And so you pick up that tree and you physically put it in your shopping cart. And you say, and I, I come along and, well, Mrs. Bishop would come along and she would say, why are those Oreo double stuffs in the shopping cart? Well, of course, because I slipped them in there. Uh, that's why they would be in there. And so Mrs. Mrs. Bishop, she just shakes her head and tries not never to take me shopping with her. Uh, but uh, that, that being aside, it's in the shopping cart and, and she just never goes to the checkout. Three months later, you're going you're gonna to say, oh, you know, I was online and I... And I know that I researched the items, and I know I looked at them, and I know I put that item in my shopping cart, but it never got delivered. It must be UPS's fault, or FedEx's fault, or or maybe the company just cheated me, or maybe uh, it's a porch pirate. Uh, they delivered it, but somebody came and stole it along the way. And then you find out, no, no, it it's still there in your shopping cart. Now, just just for curiosity this evening... How many of you have ever thought that you purchased something and didn't arrive and you went back and you found it in your shopping cart? And I think, okay, very good. I, I didn't want, want to make sure I wasn't the only one that had ever done that. <laughs> Fail, what is it? A fail to hit, failure to hit one button. A failure to take that cart in the store through the checkout line. A fail to complete the transaction. The children of Israel were granted the land. God marked the boundaries, but they said, uh, we're not going to drive out the Canaanites that dwell in Gezer. We're going to make money on them. We're going to charge them tribute. And we're gonna, they're going to serve under that tribute. And it seemed like a good idea at the time, but it's not what God intended for them to do. God allowed it, but not what he intended. What did they fail to do? They failed to completely conquer the land. The incompletion of conquest. The failure to exercise their God-given right to take the land. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 says, uh, they're not the first one, talks about uh, Esau, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of bread, one morsel of meat, sold his birthright. So here's Esau, God, God talks about that in Hebrews. It says Esau had an opportunity to be the heir, but he let fleshly appetites, the fact that he came in from the field and he was hungry, and his brother Jacob said, sell me this day your birthright. 
And Esau didn't value what God had given him, what God had in store for him. And Esau's comment was, well, what good, what good is a birthright going to do me if I die of starvation? Men are so dramatic. If I don't eat now, if I don't eat this, I'm going to just die. You're not going to die. You can miss a meal or ten and still be alive. But here he comes in from the field. And he sold his birthright. And how does God refer to him? For failing to complete the family transaction of receiving that blessing, he calls him a profane person. Lest there be any fornicator, again, Hebrews 12, verse 16, or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how afterward, the scripture says in verse 17, when he would have inherited the blessing, when he got to the point in his life where he said, you know what, I shouldn't have sold my birthright for a morsel of bread. Now it means something to me. Now I want it. Now I want it so I can pass it on to my family. It was too late. It was too late. It could not be undone. For ye know how that afterward, verse 17, Hebrews chapter 12 says, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance. There was nothing that was going to undo that. Though he he sought it carefully with tears. Well, oh, Dad, please give me a blessing. Man, I don't have anything left to give you. There's nothing left. I can't do it. It's already gone. It's already done. The transaction is done. It's been given to Jacob. He's got it. You're 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 done. What a shame. We could think about your own life. Say, preacher. Well, I'm not in the Old Testament. We're gonna we're gonna make this real personal this evening. We're in the New Testament. Your family, you have, you, if you have salvation, you know Christ, are you passing that heritage, those landmarks, those points down to the next generation? Are you sold out and separated to the things of God? Or do you say, you know, uh, church, I, I, I can take it or leave it. Uh, salvation, I'm glad I have it. But, you know, I'm going to let my kids make their own decision. They don't want to go to church. They don't have to. They don't have to read their Bible. They don't have to. They don't want to live right. They don't have to. And literally, Christianity, salvation in your family is going to end with you. It's an astounding thing for the preacher to have to sit down with the family and for the family to say, his, his granddad was a Christian. His father was a dedicated servant of the Lord. I believe that he even trusted Christ as his Savior. But the Christian lineage ended with him. There's nothing left. His family doesn't follow God. They don't serve God. They don't go to church. His, 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 his children and grandchildren know nothing of the Bible. You can stand before them. You can do a funeral. You can talk about God's Word. They are absolutely clueless because one man decided that his faith and God's boundaries that God set up for us to claim are not important. What do we do? We do the same thing. Uh, we keep it around because we can make money on it. Uh, we seek comfort and fulfillment in the things of the world. 
We serve our own pleasures with what they did. Instead of being obedient to God's mandates, we serve our own pleasures. Instead of God's divine purpose, uh, we, we have purpose. And as a result, our family, those that were at the couples retreat, the man who spoke was a preacher. And the, the, one of the pastors that was there that sponsored the retreat, his church sponsored it, Hunt Valley Baptist Church, Brother Bottrell, got up there and said, my dad gave us a spiritual heritage, and I am very thankful. So his dad was a preacher, he is a, he's a preacher, and he said, as a result, my children know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that's, that's huge. That's huge. A, a couple Wednesday nights ago, I shared, uh, <coughs> we were sharing lineages, and I shared Adrian and Elwin and Philip and Daniel and Landon. Well, that doesn't mean anything to you, except Adrian is my grandfather. Who brought my dad to church, Elwin. Who came to know Christ, who passed that on to me, Philip, for those of you that don't know what my first name is. Who has passed that on to the next generation, Daniel. But if Daniel doesn't see... If you don't see the importance of taking that gift that was given by a grandfather, by, by, by Daniel, to a great-grandfather, to a grandfather, let's say great-great-great-grandfather, great-grandfather, great-grandfather, Daniel, I would be Daniel's dad, grandfather, great-grandfather, Landon, it would be Daniel is his father, his dad, me, and the grandfather, my dad, would be a great-grandfather. Adrian would be a great-great-grandfather. If Landon decides over here, Landon is uh, 12, roughly 12, no, 11, 10, 9, 8. <laughs> Grandkids, it's hard to keep them straight, you know, <clears throat> so I have a wife. <clears throat> if, if Landon decides as a teenager that... Knowing the Lord is good for him, but he's not going to go to church, he's not going to take his kids to church, then literally that could die out with his generation. Children here tonight, eight, nine, ten years of age, you better be paying attention because you are being tasked with making a decision that is going to affect future generations. A loss of inheritance. Now, a loss of inheritance is not a loss of salvation. People take uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 12. We'll not turn there tonight for time. Or Galatians chapter 5, verses 18 to 25. And it says, no fornicator or profane person or shall, shall inherit. Uh, uh, salvation is not an inheritance. Salvation is a gift of God which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. But you have an inheritance that you can spurn, push away, disregard, and disdain, and future generations will pay for that. Daniel Boone was a man, right? We know that. Daniel Boone was a man. He was a real man. Uh, but he made a bad decision. Uh, a little history this evening. In 1797, the governor of Louisiana, in appreciation to Daniel Boone and all of his hard work, gifted him 
10,000 acres of land in what is now known as Missouri. <laughs> I'm going to be fact-checked tonight. I can see, I can see him writing, going, Daniel Boone, Missouri. <laughs> Man, I hope I get this right this evening. And, and so uh, Daniel Boone said, wow, this is really great. All Daniel Boone had to do was go down to, to uh, let me get this right, I know I'm being, to New Orleans uh, to complete the title. He had to go down to New Orleans to complete the title. Then he had to go out to, to Missouri and occupy the land. But he got distracted by opportunity. It was in his shopping basket. 10,000 acres of land. All he had to do was travel down there and sign the document. But he got busy. He got distracted. And he never made it to New Orleans well, I shouldn't say that. He didn't make it to New Orleans in time. He waited and waited and waited. In the meantime, people were going out to Missouri. And, and they, were, they were claiming land. And when Daniel Boone finally decided to go down to New Orleans and complete the transaction, they said, I'm sorry. There are now squatters and homesteaders on the land and because you failed to complete the transaction, that land no longer belongs to you. Somebody else is on the land. Today in real money, the loss to Daniel Boone's relative. So I, I, I looked up Missouri. This is not scientific, okay? I looked up Missouri. I looked, what is the average cost per acre of land in Missouri today. And it was uh, the average. Uh, there are some higher, there are some lower, same as in Virginia. But the average price of land in Missouri is $9,678. Times that by 10000 comes out to $96,780,000. So you can say tonight, my decision to go claim eight, is not a big deal, is ninety. $96,780,000, a big deal? Yeah. And that's what, again, a 9-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, you think you're going to say, hey, I, I'm, I'm not going to serve the Lord. I'm not, I'm not going to follow Christ. I, I trust, are you saved? Oh, yeah, I trusted Christ in junior church or in Sunday school class. But I'm not going to claim the inheritance. Your family is going to lose. Big time. Money wise. Because, listen, an earthly inheritance cannot possibly compare to an internal inheritance. It's big stuff. What happened? What happened to Esau, who is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 12? What caused Esau to sell his birthright, his future, his inheritance, to his brother Jacob? What caused him to do that? Weary. He was just tired. I mean, he'd been out in the field all day long. And the, that's why God's Word tells us to be not weary in well-doing. A due season's coming. And a due season you'll reap if you faint not. Uh, they had grown tired and said, oh, yeah, we, just don't want to, we just don't want to finish this. And so they did not complete the transaction. They got distracted by opportunities. And not all of them are bad. Opportunity to make money, opportunity to play sports, opportunity to go on a trip, the opportunity to, you, you name it. But they failed to occupy. They failed to drive out the Canaanites. 
And, and what should we do? What is, what is the, the task, the point that God has given us? Well, for starters, we should be conquering the flesh, fleshly appetites. There's a lot of those out there. And don't come to the preacher after the service and say, Preacher, I don't think people struggle with fleshly appetites today. There, you hear me. There is not a day, not a day, there is not a day that goes by in Fairfax County where young people, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years of age, are not falling victims. I don't even have a cell phone. Somebody have a cell phone. Hold it up. To that little piece of technology called cell phone. Hold it up higher. They can't see it in the back. They don't, they don't know what a cell phone is. <laughs> Young people taking pictures that are contrary to God's Word, fleshly, fornicating. Now, don't tell me that uh, 8-year-olds and 9-year-olds and 10-year-olds uh, can't void their inheritance. They're giving their life away and putting those pictures out there on the Internet and they're being, uh, they're being uh, taken advantage of monetarily-wise. You say, boy, you, you pay me 500 bucks. And listen, I don't know where, a, where an 8-year-old gets 500 bucks. Well, I shouldn't say that. Probably from mom and dad's credit card. Sneak in your purse, get your credit card. You say, an eight-year-old doesn't know how to do a credit card on the Internet. You should give your eight-year-olds a little bit more credit. And maybe lock up your credit cards when you go home. Yeah, you, you better conquer the flesh, those fleshly appetites. Parents, you better help them. That's why God gave them parents. Uh, conquer self, self, uh, selfish appetites. You better get up and get moving and conquer the land, conquer yourself. Because I can tell you, uh, going to hit 63 here in just a couple of weeks. It doesn't get easier as you get older. No. Devil wants you to say, uh, you, you wait till you're 50 or you're till you're 40 or when you're 30. You can conquer it then. You give the devil an inch, he'll take you a mile. And before you know it, a lifetime that'll be gone. And you will, not only will you not have conquered the flesh, but the flesh will have conquered you. And Satan's going to put you on his trophy rack as another one that he got. And your family are going to say, Boy, I, wish, I, wish they had, I wish they'd conquered. Look at chapter 17. Chapter 17. They, they're not alone. Listen. Oh, it's just me. What's the big deal? Because other people are watching. You were in chapter 17. Look at verse 12. The children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. Well, my, my brother, Ephraim, he didn't do it. Why, why should I do it? They failed. When you don't, when you give up, when you fail others, you can't help them. Now, maybe if you would get conquered, conquer the flesh, you could help somebody else conquer the flesh. Because you've given up, you can't help them. What's the importance? Why not driving them out? It's such a minor detail. It's not a minor detail. Seven ninety-six million seven hundred eighty thousand. I mean, at some point you got to say, oh, you know, that's real money. Let me just ask a question. Anybody in the room tonight that could use an extra ninety-six million? <laughs> I see some hands going up, and the rest of you are probably long asleep, huh? <clears throat> sure. I just say we're here to help. We're here to help. Reformers is here to help. Sunday school teachers are here to help. Deacons are here to help. Teachers are here to help. But teacher, if you don't conquer the flesh, you can't help your kids conquer the flesh. And before long, we're talking about real money. 
real loss, loss of inheritance. And God says, be not weary. But the police are weary. You're following the news story in New York, four, uh, so a couple of police officers were attacked by four thugs outside of an a, a, a immigrant shelter and uh, took them down and beat them. And I, now I understand they're looking for another eight guys that were involved in, in, in this beating of two uniformed, on-duty uh, New York City police officers that were, were beaten and kicked um, openly on the sidewalk in public view of, of people and, and nobody took action? Oh, is there a problem? It took them before the legal system and the legal system uh, did not require any bond as a result. Uh, they just signed here and promised to come back. Oh, sure. Yeah, they signed their name and they left. And they went down to the local According to uh, the article, they lied to a church-affiliated nonprofit who provides bus service out of the city, and the the, the church nonprofit gave them money uh, for a bus ticket to California. And so the bad guys who said, "Oh yeah, we'll come back to court," are now no longer in New York, and they're they're on their way to California. I'm sure California will be better off for having their uh, their citizenship there, right? Uh, their residence there. And they're not going to be better off. They're taking their problems with them. But the police are weary. Is it any wonder? But, but we should not. Why? Because it, when police work, they see no end in sight. They see no hope for the future. But we're a Christian. We know Christ. Do you have hope for the future? Do you have hope for eternity? Do you have hope in salvation? Can you pass that? Will you pass that on to the next generation? You should. But if you don't, Sunday school teacher... Young person, mom and dad, if you don't conquer those fleshly appetites, those around you will be discouraged as well. Look at chapter Joshua chapter 15, verse 63. They failed to complete, conquer the land. They grew tired of the constant warfare. They just became weary, and, and they, they were dropping like dominoes. Now, that may not be a good point, and get me points in homiletics class, but there, there's a whole lot of them dropping. We're in Joshua chapter 15, look at verse 63. And the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah, could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. Any problems going on in Jerusalem today in the news that you hear about? Where does it go back to? 13th century B.C. The decisions you make tonight will last for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Generation after generation after generation after generation. We are struggling in Jerusalem today because of Joshua chapter 15, verse 63. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 17, uh, verse 12. We read that already, but we did not read verse 13. Yet it came to pass when the children of Israel were waxing strong uh, that they put the Canaanites to tribute. What does verse 13 say? There came a time... When they could have conquered, but they decided to make money off of it instead. A look at Joshua, uh, Judges chapter 1, uh, verse 19. Judges chapter 1, verse 19. The Bible tells us, And the Lord was with Judah, and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountain. Wonderful. But he but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of iron. What is that? That's an excuse. That's all that is. 
Because if you read further in Judges, you get to Judges chapter 4, the big, the big player on the world at the time, the big general, his name was Sisera, and Sisera had 900 chariots of iron, but they were defeated on the battlefield by the Lord. Not by anything that Israel did, because you serve a God that wants you to have the victory and wants to give you the victory. What happened? Well, way up in the mountains, uh, there was a storm, and the storm rained down water, and the water hit the mountains, and you, you couldn't even hear it on the battlefield. Cicero was ready to take the victory. Those waters came down the mountainside, they came in the valley, they hit the rivers, they hit the rivers, and they flowed down. And before you know it, this battlefield is no longer the perfect battlefield for Cicero and his chariots. It's now a mud bath. And it's all Sisera can do to get himself off the battlefield. Who gave the victory? God did. What did they have? 900 chariots. Don't give an excuse and say, well, I can't do it because I've got... And you name the excuse. God will give you the victory if you go to him. Look at uh, Judges. Uh, that's Judges chapter 1. Look at verse uh, 21. And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. Uh, look at verse uh, 31. Uh, Neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Achor, nor the inhabitants of Zidon, nor of Elab, nor of Exeb, nor of Helba, nor of Aethic, nor of Rahab. But the Asherites dwell among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. They just did not get the job done. They just didn't do it. Over and over and over again. Lots of reasons. We can make money. Covetousness. That's all that is. Which is idolatry. You can make money off of this. Laziness. Distracted by worldly gain. Powerlessness. They just didn't walk with God. Failure. To complete the transaction. Failure to conquer the flesh has serious consequences. They forgot the Lord. They served Baal. What did their children do? They forgot the Lord. They served Baal. What will your, what will your children do? They will forget the Lord and they will serve Baal. And the preacher will be tasked with standing, sitting down with your family and having to stand before a congregation at a funeral service and say, uh, his grandfather loved the Lord. His great-grandfather loved the Lord. His grandfather loved the Lord. His granddad loved the Lord. His dad loved the Lord. But I decided I was going to serve the flesh. I decided I wasn't going to be a, I was going to be a Christian in name only. I decided that I wasn't going to pass that on to my children. I decided that. What is the result today? Well, according to Right Reverend Dr. Parsons in his Sunday school class just one week ago, you should go to Sunday school. It's amazing what you learn. This is what Brother Parsons said. Brother Parsons said, Israel is the most secular nation on the face of the world today. Now, I don't know where he got that statement. But that's a pretty powerful statement to make. Here's what I do know. You want to know what the number one destination for immorality in the world today? Tel Aviv. And you can go to the web, and search that up yourself. Why is that? Because 13th century B.C., a group of people that knew God, they knew the power of God, they saw the omnipotence of God, just said, we're not going to do it. We could, because God can. 
But we're just not going to do it. What's the cost today? Well, this is kind of, this is kind of interesting. Uh, the national debt for the United States of America uh, per citizen, uh, this came, uh, this was uh, uh, figures from, I think, Friday. <clears throat> Maybe Thursday. Probably Thursday. <clears throat> uh, said our, uh, per person, uh, we owe $100,000 if every single person from the newest little baby to the oldest person alive would pay $100,000, we could pay off the national debt. You say, well, that doesn't sound like much. Anybody got an extra $100,000 you don't know what to do with? Uh, just what I thought. And here's, here's the thing. Our failure as a nation to control our debt, it, it is, let me find that figure, uh, uh, growing by uh, $46 billion a day. At some point you think, you know, this is real money we're talking about. But we're talking about Israel. Uh, Israel. Here, here it is. What does it cost today? So I got out my, I got out my, my Bible and I got out my map and I pointed the plots and I figured, again, this is not scientific. If you come up with a different figure of that, that's fine. But what I came up with is roughly in Israel, the, the land of the inheritance that God gave them was roughly 240,000 square miles. Which comes up to 153,600,000 acres. At the cost, average cost per acre in Israel is $159,000. Say, preacher, what in the world does that mean? What well, their failure, 13th century BC, to completely conquer the land. If the people of Israel, based on a 2023 population estimate of 16,783,100 Israeli citizens in Israel today, if they wanted, they are, they have lost per person 1.457 million dollars per person today as a result of their failure to conquer what God had given them. And you can sit here tonight and say, boy, they should have done that. But we're not back then. But we are in 2024. And 2,000 years from tonight, we will be able to calculate in real time what your failure and my failure to conquer ourselves, our flesh, and to claim the goodness, the graciousness, what began at a transaction of salvation and God wants to, uh, our failure to, compl- to claim the inheritance. Again, salvation is a gift, not an inheritance. But it, it should turn into an inheritance. Our failure to complete the transaction that started at salvation. Caused by weariness, maybe. Distracted by opportunity, okay. But it boils down to this. We just failed to do it. Just failed to do it. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. You're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and say, Preacher, would you pray for me? I'm not saved. I need to be saved. Hold up your hand. Let me pray for you. Uh, I've never claimed the gift of God, which is salvation in Jesus Christ. Would you pray for me? Okay. Let me pray for you tonight. Father, I thank you for this one and and you've been working on her heart. Uh, You've been talking to her. And I pray uh, that you would give her uh, the strength, the wisdom, the grace, the forethought uh, to realize that uh, hell is a terrible, terrible place. 
and to uh, receive the gift of God, which is eternal life, and to begin uh, to, to claim uh, her inheritance, uh, the gift first of all, and then go on to pass to suggest so suggest successive generations uh, heritage of people that know you. And it, it could start absolutely start with her. And I pray that you'd help her to do that. Every head bowed and every eye closed, you're a Christian here tonight. There's something in your life that is not what it ought to be. And uh, people are following you down a path of destruction. You say, Preacher, I'm here. I'm saved. But there's something I need to deal with tonight. Would you pray for me? God, help me to do that. Okay. All right. All right. Let's stand to our feet. The piano is playing. The altar is open. This is time to get your heart prepared for the Lord's Supper. You want to do that in your pew? You absolutely can. You want to do that at the altar? You absolutely can. If you're here and you don't have Christ as your Savior, you come right down front. I'll be glad to have uh, one of our, our fellows take a Bible and show you Jesus. If you're a young lady, have one of our ladies take a Bible and show you Jesus Christ. Now you can receive salvation. God loves you. God got a plan for your life.